Father, I pray for Ernie, uh, who's at Austin Free Methodist Church in Cowdersport. He's preaching at two churches this morning. I ask for a special anointing uh, over him. And Lord, I just pray for those families of uh, people who lost loved ones, sacrificing and dying for our freedom. Would you just bless them in a special way today? In Jesus' name, amen. So if you're just joining us for the first time today, or if you're watching us on Facebook or YouTube, uh, we're really glad that you're here and watching. Uh, we are continuing our discussion on community, but really we're in a love series, uh, uh, keeping our love on um, through connection, communication, and now we're in the boundaries section. Uh, this is from Danny Silk's book, Keep Your Love On. It's a must read. I, I believe every relationship should go through this book together, and I'm not talking about just married relationships, even friends need to go through this book as a devotional together. I'm sure there's devotional material out there that you can probably get your hands on. This, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be, so, so if those of you that don't know, I'm a district leader uh, in the Keystone Conference of the Free Methodist Church, and now I oversee 12 churches. Four, four churches just got added to my list uh, at annual conference a couple weeks ago. And I don't know how I can make them do this series, but I am going to strongly encourage every pastor that I'm over right now to do this series at their church, right? Because you know how powerful it is. This is life transforming. Learning how to keep our love on 24 hours is not an easy thing. And we need the help of the Holy Spirit. You have to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit to apply any message that you hear on Sunday to your life outside. Because we, we know, we come in here, we feel good. Everybody's, for the most part, friendly. Hopefully all the time and, and 100%, but we know we're, we're human, right? So we don't always get it right. But some of us really struggle. Like some of us wish we could live here because our life out there is really difficult. You need to take the Holy Spirit with you today. You need to take him with you. Don't leave him here. You should not be just connecting with the Spirit of God on Sunday morning, right? So last week we started talking about boundaries in relationships, boundaries. And I was just wondering after last week's uh, message, uh, how many of you lost all your friends last week <laughs> when you started saying no to them? That was supposed to be funny. Okay. Well, I forgot Katie bought me this shirt, so I wore it this Sunday instead. Welcome to the nope zone. I wished I would have wore it last week, and I totally forgot I had it. And as soon as I saw it this week, I said, I'm wearing it. And then, actually, uh, when I saw this shirt, if you know how my mind works, I actually thought of a song. And I, re I rewrote a song that many of you may know. And I just, I'm really nervous about this because I don't like doing this. But I'm going out on a limb and I want to share that song with you this morning. <sighs> Boy, I'm going to lose my job. <laughs> I'm so going to lose my job over this. But uh, welcome to the Nope Zone. We've got no's for you. When you hear that word, honey, please don't get the blues. We are the people that say yes, but once in a while say no. If you've got the spirit, honey, he'll tell you where next to go in the nope zone. Welcome to the nope, nope zone where sometimes you'll hear no, 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 no. I'll let you know what your new pastor's name is next week. I couldn't resist, Jerry. That's the first thing I heard of, so I wrote it down right away. I said, I don't know if I have the guts to do this or not. I've been singing it all week. <laughs> Welcome to the Nope Zone. I love it. Last week, we looked at two lessons that I believe that we need to learn from this discussion on boundaries. One is we need to learn to say that learning to say no doesn't mean you're turning your love off. Okay. Number two, learning how to keep our love on by our response when someone tells us no. That's something nobody talks about. And the Holy Spirit revealed that to me when I was, when I was doing this, when he downloaded my rant for last week, the introduction to this, is we need to learn how to respond like Jesus when someone says, no, I don't have the time to meet with you, or no, you can't borrow my car, or no, you will not speak to my children like that. Why do we freak out? And most of the time when we're asked a question, it is a yes or no decision. But for some reason, we can't handle the answer no. 
Well, you gave me the choice to choose, so I'm allowed to say either one. Right? Tell your kids that. Mom, can I go outside? No. What? Hey, you gave me the option. The main points of last week was that some of us need to learn to say no more often so that we have more time for ourselves. We feel guilty when we take time for ourselves. We need more time for family. We need more time for our close, intimate friends, the 12. Like the disciples for Jesus. The other point was some of us need to learn to not be offended when someone tells us no. And actually, when I get no after no after no, that kind of tells me that the Holy Spirit, I probably should have went to the Holy Spirit first. We need to re learn to rely on the Holy Spirit more often and less on humans. Did you hear that? It's a tough message to hear, but it's the truth. He can solve a lot of your problems that we cannot. And he can solve it before you even have to make a phone call. Someday, you may find yourself in a desert place like Jesus did, where he only had the word of God on his heart. And he used it against the enemy and defeated him. He didn't have John. He didn't have Peter. He didn't have James. He was by himself in the desert. And I know you have felt like that at times. You're going to need a strong relationship with the Spirit of God to survive desert places. I hope I get that through. If you missed that message, you really need to listen to it on our Facebook page titled Learning to Say No. Uh, for the sake of time, I just want to point out um, the verse that we ended with. I'm not going to rehash the whole sermon, but I do want to re redo this verse. Matthew 5, 37, but let your yes be yes and your no be no. For whatever is more than your yes or more than your no is from the evil one. In other words, you don't say yes without God telling you to say yes, and you don't say no without God telling you to say no. Right? Because anything else is of the devil. You trying to solve everybody's problems and you having a problem to say no, and you calling it ministry does not mean God is behind it. It's the point. This passage actually has a deeper meaning uh, than what I am pointing out here for the sake of our conversation. It's talking about taking oaths. Jesus is talking about the seriousness of making promises and oaths to the right and wrong things. There are under, there's an underlining warning here about making an oath to God, but then living any old way you want. He's like, be careful, because if you say yes to God, you better live up to his standards. You can't just live any old way you want and then say you're saying yes to God. No, you're not. Be careful. Be careful. But mostly it's about being careful to what and to whom you say yes or no to. And I just thought it was interesting uh, being Independence Day. I thought of that as I was praying, and I prayed it, I prayed it out loud. Because Christians are, are literally, churches are dividing, and pastors are stepping down because Christians are choosing their allegiance over their country, over their allegiance to God. They're more worried about what president they want in than offending people with their political views, than acting like Christ. It's pretty scary, but I just think that's where we're at right now. In the context of boundaries in that verse, what we're talking about, it's more, are you saying yes to more than you should? And hear me, believer who attends Light and Life Church where we need more people to serve your family and community, are you saying no more than you should? That's the context of the way we're looking at it. For today, I want to talk about the levels of intimacy that we need to cultivate or develop and, and to protect our boundaries. The levels of intimacy that we need to cultivate and protect with boundaries. And I want to jump right in this morning with a quote from Danny from the book. The innermost circle. So if you look at this as who's in the center, who's in the next level, who's at, he draws a circle in the book and out, outwardly the circles go. And as the circles go out, there's more people involved. But now he's talking about the innermost circle, the core of your heart, the throne of your heart. The innermost circle is your core. Some people like to call this the God spot because he is the only person who belongs at the core of your heart and spirit. Is he? Don't say yes if he's not. 
because you just have to look at your checkbook. You have to look at your words that are coming out of your mouth. You have to look at your decisions. You have to look at what you're doing through the week, not just now on Sunday where you're feeling good and you're under the, and there's an anointing here and the Holy Spirit's here and you're like, yeah, God is at the, what if somebody followed you the rest of the week? Would they be able to say that God is at the core of your heart? The inner, uh, nobody else knows you and loves you like Jesus. Nobody else deserves your heart's primary allegiance and worship. Let me repeat that. Nobody else deserves your heart's primary allegiance and worship. And nobody should hold the place of influence that he holds in your life. So that's what we're dealing with right now in your notes. The first level of intimacy that we need to cultivate and protect with boundaries is God. Number one, at the core of your heart and spirit is the God spot. And no one else should be in this place. Does this really help in understanding Matthew 37? Let your yes be yes and your no be no? Think about all the people today who said yes to something else besides coming to church to be in the presence of the Holy Spirit. And I'm not talking about those on vacation or those who are homesick. You know what I'm talking about because we've all done it. Think about all the things that we say yes to over spending more time with God and reading his word and serving his bride, the church. Do you realize he's coming back for the church? Are you going to be part of it or are you just going to sit in a pew and listen to a speech every Sunday? Because you may, he may not see you as part of the bride. One of the reasons that pastors and leaders are stepping down from ministry today is because of a lack of volunteers. It's just the reality of the society we're in now. There's a lack of people serving because people are too busy. Right? If God is at the core of your heart, do you know that you would be serving him every single moment of every day? Not just at church on Sunday in a ministry, but every single moment. Well, I had a feeling to give $20 to the person in front of me at the grocery store. God, is that you or is this me? Holy Spirit, will you reveal to me if this is you or me? I mean, you can't go wrong, even if it's you and you do it. You're still going to bless them, and they're going to feel the love of God. So you really can't get that one wrong. But we talk ourselves out of it, don't we? <clears throat> well, they're going to think I'm weird, or they're not going to understand, and I'm going to have to explain to them, and I don't even know if I can explain it. How about you just give them the money and say, I love you, have a great day. God told me to do this for you. Right? <clears throat> If God was at the core of your heart, you'd be serving him every day. And I believe that one of the warnings of Matthew 5 is that some of us are saying yes to the wrong things. And now we're too busy to serve the body of Christ, the bride. And that means we're saying no to the right things. The right things. Another point is this. Some of us have placed a human at the core of our hearts. Listen, this is, this, this is an issue in 2021. I just want you to know. In humans, in Christians, they are placing humans on the throne of their hearts. And that means they've removed God from his spot and replaced him with another human. And it's this human that they're seeking all of their love, joy, peace, fulfillment, protection, and provision from. Things that only your creator was meant to perfectly bring you. Now listen, we will still receive some of those things from our earthly relationships, but number one, humans cannot fulfill our hearts with those things like God can. Everything they bring to you is temporary. And number two, humans will constantly fail you in those things. God will never fail you in his love, in his peace, in his fulfillment, in his protection. And even if you're struggling with provision, he will not fail you. Amen. It could be that he's probably maybe allowing some things to go away because you're distracted. I don't know. So is God at the core of your heart? That's the first question. Do I make a move without him? Number two, you have to know the second one is 
that intimacy is for your most intimate human relationship. Number two is your deepest human soul tie. The number two spot belongs to your deepest human soul tie, your most intimate human relationship. Listen again, only one person is going to fit into that spot. If you are married, that this should be your spouse. If you are unmarried, this person could be a friend, a parent, a sibling, or a business partner. One of the things that is difficult to navigate is when you do get married, because you're going to have to make a transition when you move a friend back one level on your levels of intimacy in order to allow your spouse, your new spouse, to take his or her new place, or to take that place. You hearing me? I've seen this cause a lot of division. When a friend like, you don't call me as much. Well, you know, you got moved back because of this guy. I did marry him. I have a soul tie with him. He just took the most intimate place of my heart on a human level. And you know what else doesn't work out very well? Because we have a lot of uh, mixed families now. When you've been single with kids for a while, and then you get married, because most people will tell their new spouse, my children will always come first over you. Do you know what you do at that point? You force your new spouse to submit to your children. And that almost never works out for very well or for very long. Your spouse deserves that most intimate spot. And it's okay to say, kids, you don't say this to them, but in your heart. They get moved out a level. It's just the way it happens. It's okay. It's what's supposed to happen. You're not going to be as intimate with your kids as you are going to be with your new spouse. It's okay. You have something to add? Grab a mic because I want it on recording. The, the second one. The other one's dead. Yes. Amy's a professional counselor, so she's going to add her two cents. <laughs> oh, good. Nice and close. That's good. That's really good. Actually, that's kind of what I'm going to talk about a little bit. Yeah. Shocking. My headset go out again? Hello, hello? Testing one, two? Sorry. Yeah, don't mute me. You know, when you get muted, must be the guys in the back don't think you have anything important to say. <laughs> we'll be having a meeting after church. No, just kidding. So God is at your core then your deepest human soul tie. It's okay. One spot for each. Then as you move away from the core, the more people you can fit in. Let me give you a quick list of the next levels of intimacy. Watch how the number of people grows as we move from the core. Listen, and why as we move out from the core, it's going to seem impossible to meet all of their needs because there's just too many people, right? And therefore, as you move out, there's more reason for boundaries in order to protect the first two or three. God, your spouse, and then your family. Those are the top three. As you move out, you're going to have to create boundaries to protect those three. So as we move out, we have family, then we have, these are in, these are in uh, a list, an important list, uh, order of importance on purpose. Family comes next, then your closest friends, then your good friends, and then your coworkers, acquaintances, you can move those around a little bit, your neighbors, and the human race that God wants you to infect with the presence of God. We're not supposed to ignore number nine. So even your family needs boundaries to not interrupt your time with God. Even your children needs boundaries to not interrupt your intimacy with your spouse. I'm talking date nights, you know, not just sex. Everybody thinks of sex when we talk about intimacy, but I'm talking about this is our time. 
you will not interrupt it. Well, can I go on a date with you? No, 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 no. Why, are you going to talk about me? No, because Pastor Mark taught us that we don't talk about our problems, our bills, and our children when we're on a date night. We talk about our love for each other. We protect and put boundaries on date nights. We work, we, listen, the, the, the biggest way to ruin a date night is to say, when are we going to make that credit card payment? <laughs> Here's what Danny Silk added to this. Yes, you are called to love all people, but that doesn't mean that all people have access to your core. It doesn't mean that all people have access to your core, your top three or four. It's your job to manage your life so that you can offer the people in your inmost circle appropriate access to your core. Sadly, sometimes people in our inner circle hurt or scare us very seriously. And here's the key, they're unwilling to clean up the mess they made. If that happens, we must move them out to a place of access that they can handle. Sometimes these are strong words, but very necessary. I purposely put this quote in because that is so huge. We're not talking about just, you know, well, they're in my inner core and they hurt me and, or they abused me. And so Pastor Mark said, I have to keep them. No, no. If they mess up and they're unwilling to own it and ask for forgiveness and clean up their mess, we move them out a level and just say, you know what? You're not going to have the access that you used to have until we have restoration. See, forgiving people is very easy. It's the restoration that Dr. Shelley will tell you, those of you that are coming to inner healing, that's the work that nobody wants to do, building the trust back. The restoration process. It's the work part, and nobody wants to work, so they just don't even do it. And they go, fine, now, you know, uh, Bob, ha now you move Bob in my place, well, fine, we're done. See, and they just quit. And then you find out what kind of friends they really were. But you hurt me, so you know what? You're being moved. I mean, you don't actually verbalize this to them. You know that, right? By the way, let me show you the graph that Pastor Mark had me make. And you used to be number four right after my family. And I just want you to know, <laughs> see your name crossed out? You got, you got bumped two levels. No, don't, don't do that. We can keep our love on toward them, but it may be a very long time before we ever have them over for dinner. Okay? This is a liberating message. Boundary, any, any message on boundaries is so liberating. Sounds so harsh when you're on the receiving end, but it liberates you to have boundaries. It's okay to move people on your list if they hurt you and are unwilling to own it. Now, I'm going to make an important shift right now and talk about the boundaries that we set around those levels that we just talked about. In other words, the boundaries that I have set in place for my wife are way different than the boundaries that I have set in place with my relationship with you. You understand that? The boundaries are different for every one of those levels. Most of us think, well, that's obvious, pastor. She's your wife. But you know what? Sometimes in your notes, <laughs> it's so good. I had to put it in the notes. Sometimes for some people, boundaries are not always obvious. And you have to manage and maintain them by making them clear to those kinds of people who don't get it. You have to make them clear and you have to try to get them to understand. Now, I put trying in quotations. You're prob you may not be able to get them to understand. They may end the relationship, and they may, you know, blame you and the church like they do me and you. All they blame you a lot. I mean, they just, they just blame the church for everything when we don't jump when they say jump. And they don't get that we have boundaries, and we can't solve everybody's problems, and that's not the purpose of the church anyway. The church isn't here to solve your problems and pay your bills. The church is here for you to serve it. Amen. We're not supposed to be takers. We're supposed to be givers. Amen. Man, people have to have the church all messed up. Trying to get them to understand why there needs to be boundaries in every relationship, including ours. And then not allowing them to cross your boundaries. It's up to you. Only you can control that. When people come to me and say, I can't believe they just keep calling me over and over and over, and I just, well, just tell them to stop. You want me to call them for you? Yes, you're the pastor. That's your job. No, 
You manage your own boundaries. I have enough managing my own. Right? Once you've communicated your boundaries to them, don't allow them to cross them. Do you know how badly I wanted to talk to Amy and Rhonda while they were on vacation two weeks ago? I got to tell you, I had like two things I wanted to talk to Amy about. Why didn't I? Because I wanted to respect their personal time with family. It's not that I don't mess that up on occasion, because I do. But, and then I usually, it hits me a day later and I go, I'm so sorry I forgot you were on vacation. I mess up. But I didn't want them to think of ministry or work when they were trying to leave it all at home for rest and relaxation, right? I even had good news for Rhonda. I couldn't wait to tell her, but I refused to cross a boundary. Why? To honor and respect and keep my love on, not just for her, but for Pastor Josh and her children. Because even good ministry news would have made her mind start to spin about ministry at home when they were on the beach trying to enjoy themselves and getting some uh, recoup time. And I did really good until Saturday when I knew they would be driving home. I guessed that they would be driving home on Saturday. And I just couldn't take it anymore. And I finally texted Rhonda the good news. Now, I want to read you a... I came across a passage that... These are, this is one of those passages that you go, What? That's in the Bible? you got to be kidding me. Yeah, it's in the Bible. Are you ready for this? It's a, it's a, it's a funny but not so funny passage in Proverbs chapter 25. I found, it's about having boundaries and what happens when you don't have them. And this is a shout out. Listen, this is a shout out to all those who don't respect other people's boundaries. Proverbs 25, 17. <laughs> Did not know this was in the Bible. Seldom. Everybody say seldom. seldom. You know what that means. Not very often. Seldom set foot in your neighbor's house. Lest, I know that's a King James word. Lest he become weary of you and end up hating you. <laughs> I did not know that was in the Bible. That is crazy. Seldom set your foot, set foot in your neighbor's house lest he become weary of you and hate you. Sounds harsh, right? But it's quite the opposite of what you, and it's quite the opposite of what you think we would preach during a community series. Because I've been telling you, have people over, have people over. You know, that's you inviting people over, not them just showing up every hour on the hour, right? I hope you get the point of this passage. This isn't about never going to your neighbor's house. It's about don't overdo it. Give them space. Be sensitive to their family time. Respect and honor their boundaries. Hear me, there, listen, there are some broken and self-centered people who will never get this, okay? And it will be up to you to keep them to it. Listen, regardless of how they respond to you, you have to protect, I'm gonna say something that's, that's not politically correct to say, okay? You have to protect your borders, Protect your borders. A quote from the book in your notes. The level of intimacy people have in my life determines how much of myself I will offer them when they pull on the relationship. The level of intimacy people have in my life determines how much of myself I will offer them. It's up to you how much you want to offer people when they start pulling on the relationship. No one can control that but you. That's the point. He goes on to explain a scenario just to kind of explain this. Uh, he, there's a scenario in the book that I just wanted to share with you. I just thought it was too good, just so, just so you kind of understand this. If, if you meet someone for the first time in church, uh, it's their first Sunday or your first Sunday, and they tell you that the engine in their car just blew up, you're probably going to just give sympathies and you're going to offer to pray for them for provision, correct? If you've interacted with somebody for a few times, uh, in your church, if it's someone that you, it's an acquaintance and they tell you that their engine blew up, maybe you're going to offer them the number of your mechanic. If it's one of your good friends, you may let them borrow your car until theirs is fixed. If it's one of your children, you're going to get your checkbook out, maybe. If it's your wife, you're just going to ask her what color of car she wants next. Okay? You see the level of boundaries? You you are the one that protect those. 
What's your favorite color, Yenny? Blue? All right. It's on order. Are you tracking with me so far? The level of intimacy people have in your life determines how much of yourself you will offer when they pull on the relationship. You're in control of that. No one else. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to forewarn you before I read this next quote because it may come across as harsh, but the only reason that it sounds harsh is because of the atmosphere that we live in right now where people are lovers of themselves. Setting boundaries in this kind of atmosphere that we live in today is offensive to self-centered people, but it's still necessary. In fact, probably more necessary in a selfish society than anywhere else. Are you ready? This is some boundaries that, Dan, this is a personal quote about how Danny had to set boundaries in his own home. I have lots of people through my ministry. I counsel them, pray with them, laugh with them, and cry with them, but that's it. They don't get the bulk of my time, attention, or money. If you call me and your last name isn't Silk or Serple, my married daughter's last name, you will most likely go to voicemail. I will decide upon hearing your voice whether to respond to you right now or wait until later. You will never be responsible to manage my time at home. That's my job. I give people a level of access to me by having my number in the phone book. But I have a boundary that I am under no obligation. This is his boundary. He's spelling it out. I am under no obligation to answer or even call you back. I didn't set this boundary either to offend or please you. I did it to manage my priorities at my house. Can you imagine his children reading this book and his wife reading this book? What is he doing? Honoring his family over you. Because his family is at number three. His wife is at number two. And if he's doing his devotions and you call, he's definitely not picking up the phone. His phone's probably off. How offensive you turn your phone off to me. Don't you know that the world revolves around me, Danny? Right? That may be hard to hear, but, but when you have a position like Danny or any other pastor where you're on call 24 hours a day, 365 days a year, boundaries are necessary. And Danny understands this. Number one, his first ministry is his family. Number two, he cannot possibly meet everyone's needs. Jesus didn't even do that. Why would he think he could? And number three, he has committed most of his resources to his closest friends. I mean, isn't that how boundaries work? Right? That's how boundaries work in your notes. If we say yes to something, that also means you have said no to everything else. This is the definition of why we need boundaries or, what, or how boundaries work. If you say yes to something, that also means that you have said no to everything else, right? Let your yes be yes and your no be no. Turn with me to Luke chapter 8. Luke chapter 8. This is our passage for the day, so you may want to go there with me to mark your Bible and circle words and write whatever the Holy Spirit speaks to you next to it. Let me ask this again like I did last week. Where do we turn for our example to see the pattern of the Christian life? Jesus. Jesus set boundaries. He wasn't a broken, codependent person who needed another human to meet all of his needs. In fact, if we really want to model the Christian life that Jesus modeled for us, then we have to acknowledge the fact that he did set boundaries with needy people. You know, I, I was thinking about this morning, and I don't know how true it is, but oftentimes, and I'm not wondering, I'm not wondering, because I know I could probably back this up with Scripture, but not really, like, get into the heart of Jesus and actually know but I am not wondering, I'm not wondering if he didn't minister on a shore very often so he had an escape route. <laughs> I'm not wondering if he didn't row up in a boat to a shore, get out and preach or preach from the boat so when he was done, he could just get in the boat and go away without people mobbing him and begging him and grabbing a hold of him and telling him he has to stay. He escaped people all the time, needy, sick people. Because he had human limitations while he was on earth. He could only do so much in 24 hours. He needed rest and he needed to eat. 
Luke 8, starting with verse 40. So it was when Jesus returned that the multitude welcomed him, for they were all waiting for him. Who knows how many days they were sitting there waiting for Jesus to come and heal them and fix all of their problems. Holy Spirit's not on the scene yet, so Jesus is pretty much it. You have the Holy Spirit. You don't have to sit on the shore for 38 years like the man we talked about last week. You have the Holy Spirit. Well, I need Leanne to come and pray over my house and anoint it, and she's just not getting back to me. I, three days in a row, I've called her. She's ignoring my... T- How about you just say, I don't need Leanne. I got the Holy Spirit. I mean, it would be nice if she was available. She could come teach me how to do it. But you know what? I got this. I've read my Bible. I know how they do it. I'm going to anoint every doorpost, and I'm just going to take, I'm going to be a warrior for Christ, and I'm going to tell these spirits where to go because they do not have authority over me, only if I allow them to. So no offense, Leanne, but I actually, I actually did this myself. You're, you'd be proud of me. I'm sure Leanne would go, way to go. You're right. You don't need me. There are times where we do need people to come and help us and teach us how to do it. They were all waiting for him. Verse 41, And behold, there came a man named Jairus, and he was a ruler of the synagogue, and he fell down at Jesus' feet and begged him, You must come to my house now, because I have an only daughter who is 12 years of age, and she's dying. Jesus' response was to just keep walking. Did, did he hear him? Yeah, he heard him. But he, he's got people all over him. Thousands probably, we don't know, hundreds. He heard his need, but as he went, the multitudes thronged him. Wait, what? Did Jesus just completely ignore Jairus? Did he just dare to say no to him? I mean, he begged you, Jesus. She's only 12 and dying. You must do something now. Do you know how many times I've had people come to me and actually tell me that I must do something now? And they see me go, no, I don't think it's time to step in yet. What? You're the pastor. This is what we pay you for. No, no, I I need to pray on this. I'm not going to just jump because you're telling me to jump or trying to decide what the the job description of a pastor is. I want to be led by the Spirit. You need to get my husband to come to church. No, 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 that's not my job. No. I'll pray for him, and I'll do whatever I can to love on him, but I want him to want to come. I'm not going to guilt him to come. I need you now. I don't care if you're ministering to someone else. I don't care if you're on vacation. Of course, we don't do this to each other, do we, right? In verses 43 and 48, Jesus actually went on to heal someone else. He didn't even, as, as far as we know in Scripture, he didn't even address Jairus. He actually healed the women with the bleeding issue. But to Jairus, it was a no for now. And then verse 49. Go down there. Ready? While he was still speaking, someone came from the ruler of the synagogue's house saying to him, hey, forget about Jesus. Your daughter's dead. You don't need to bother the teacher. She's already gone. But when Jesus heard it, he answered him saying, do not be afraid, only believe, and she will be made well. Verse 51. When he came into the house. Wait. He said yes to Jairus. Right? Right? Did he say yes to Jairus? He went to his house. I don't know how far away this is, but he, he walked all the way to his house. But do you know what else that means? It also means that Jesus said no to the multitude. That's the point. If you say yes to something, you're also saying no to everything else. This is what Jesus did. It's okay. Listen, he didn't just say no to people. He said no to desperately needy people who have been waiting for days for him to show up, who have been waiting probably, I don't know how many days or weeks, for him to meet their needs. And we don't know if he ever returned to them because the Bible doesn't say that he did. Come on. He may have never returned to that group. Come on. Here's the point in your notes. Jesus healed a lot of people on many occasions, but in every case, it was because of his choice. 
Now we know his choice is the father's choice. If you know anything about Jesus, right? He could have said, oops, uh, uh, your daughter died. Uh, I guess I missed that opportunity, didn't I? And, you know, well, at least I said yes to the multitude because now more people got healing and I get more glory. But he didn't. Why? This is the question I want to end with today. Why? Why did Jesus sometimes say yes and sometimes say no? By the way, a no from Jesus is not necessarily a permanent no. Let me repeat that. A no from God is not necessarily a permanent no. Most of the time, it was just a not now. Back to the question. Why did Jesus sometimes say yes and sometimes say no? Well, this is quite a powerful answer that goes back to where we started out today. Here it is in a quote from the book in your notes. Jesus was not driven by someone's need. Listen, church people and leaders of this church. Jesus was not driven by someone's need. Ultimately, Jesus said yes to every person he healed, and he also said no at times to other people because he dedicated his life to one big yes, to live out complete oneness and partnership with his heavenly Father. You, you hear what that, that quote from the book is saying? He didn't care what people thought of his no's and yeses. He was only worried about one person. Father, do you want me to go to Jairus' house right now? Or do you want me to stay with the multitude? The father must have told him to go to the house and heal this girl. That's the only reason he would leave a multitude for one. Because he's obeying his father. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. That's the same thing as let your yes be God's yes and your no be God's no. You getting this? Are you tracking with me? To do what the Father was doing, this is what Jesus was all about. To do what his Father was doing and to say what his Father was saying and to be about his business. And we should also be dedicated to the one big yes. And let our Heavenly Father guide our yeses and our noes. Let me repeat that. And let our Heavenly Father guide our yeses and our noes. And guess who's on planet earth to help you with that? Holy Spirit. Many of us took an oath of yes to God many years ago, but what happened? Remember when God changed everything in your life? Remember that day? Remember the excitement and the love that you had for him? What happened? How did you end up replacing Jesus on the throne of your heart with another human or an addiction? Or an addiction? Can I tell you how? It's pretty simple. No boundaries. That's how. How does God fall off the throne of our hearts? No boundaries. We allowed another human or a habit to take up our time, energy, focus, worship, money, and resources. And by the way, we allowed that to happen. There's not another person you can blame for that. Here's my point in your notes. If you don't prioritize your relationship with God, then your God spot will end up with a human being or an addiction on it. You can add an addiction with that. If you don't prioritize your relationship with God, then your God spot will end up with a human being or a thing on it. Could be the love of money. Could be a career. But for the most part, what I'm seeing in 2021, a lot of people are knocking God off the throne of their hearts for another human because they want to be loved. And the sex is so good. By the way, this is idolatry. And all God's people said, ouch. It's idolatry when we put a human being in our God spot. And when you put a human being in your God spot, boundaries disappear. Did you hear that, folks? This is why so many so-called Christians are comfortable with living in sin. There's no more boundaries. Because, human, because a human's love and affection is more important than God's love and affection. What, what, or who is on the throne of your heart today? Listen to this quote in closing. Putting God first in our lives won't compete with our human relationships. I'm going to pause here for a minute. 
because I see this all the time. I just want to reflect on that statement. Putting God first in our lives won't compete with our human relationships. Do you know how many times I've seen, especially girls, bring a boy to church hoping that he likes it, but he doesn't? In fact, he doesn't want anything to do with it. And instead of sticking to their boundary of not being unequally yoked with an unbeliever, they choose the boy over God. Boys are doing this with girls as well. And then their boundaries disappear, and this new idol leads them into sin and away from God and away from church. I can't tell you how many times I've seen this happen, all in the name of love and happiness. Back to the quote. Putting God first in our lives won't compete with our human relationships. It will protect them because one of God's top priorities in his relationship with us is teaching us how to love the people he has put into our lives. Keeping God in your God spot keeps you connected to the Holy Spirit's incredible resources of wisdom and understanding to define your relationship priorities and the boundaries. He's going to show you who you're supposed to be with, with whom you are supposed to be connecting, and how to build and protect those connections. Wow. Let's stand. Do you understand that your enemy is never going to stop trying to get you to replace God on the throne of your heart. He is relentless. He wants it to be alcohol. He wants it to be some kind of addiction, porn, whatever it is, TV, career, a boy or girl, video gaming, money, position, titles, whatever it is. He's going, he will never stop trying to get you to knock God off the throne of your heart and replace it with someone else or something else. But when you say yes to God, you're going to experience the love, an unbelievable, unconditional love that he has for you. And nothing, nothing, not a boy's attention or a girl's affection will distract you from keeping God as the priority of your life. We will learn to say yes to them, another human, if they're not asking us to remove God from the throne of our hearts. Let me repeat that. We'll say yes to them as long as they don't ask me to deprioritize my relationship with God. Why do you go to church anyways? It's such a waste of time. Hmm, never thought of that. I could be doing something else. Devil. Devil's voice. If you love me, you will quit going to church. Oh. We will learn to say yes to them if they are not asking us to remove God from the throne of hearts. And we will learn to say no to them if they do ask us to do something that we know is wrong and opposes God's word. We will have boundaries. Let's pray. We're going to ask God for two things today as you close your eyes. We're going to ask the Holy Spirit to help us keep God at the core of our hearts. And we're going to ask the Holy Spirit to help us to protect and manage each level of intimacy that we have with others. I want you to think... We, think we only focus on, when we say no to someone, we only focus on how much they're going to be offended. We don't think about how much we're going to honor and respect the people we're protecting. We need to start thinking about who we're protecting and honoring by saying no sometimes. Do you get that? When I say no to Alan and Andrew playing video games and I say, listen, I, I want to watch a movie with my wife, do you know how honored and respected she feels that I'm choosing her over video games? That's what I'm trying to say to you. You can't control how people respond to your no. But think about the honor that you bring to someone that is the reason that you're saying no. I know some of you have walked this out. It's been very difficult because you wanted to be busy doing ministry. I think it about Jen. Busy doing ministry but had to say no a lot of times for the sake of her family. She has sacrificed. Beautiful. And she doesn't care what we think. Because... <laughs> God and her husband and her children are the core of her being, the core of her love, the core of her, what would you say, the core of her atmosphere. Holy Spirit, help me to keep God at the core of my heart. Help me to not allow the enemy to distract me with boys or girls or things or another human being. And when someone tests me in this area, 
and wants me to do something that draws me away from God, I will not just say no, I will scream no. Absolutely not. That is my time with God. I cannot meet with you at 8.30 tomorrow morning. You'll have to wait. You will not draw me away from church. I want your love, but I don't need your love. I have God's love. He's number one. So I'm guessing because you tried to draw me away from my relationship with God that this relationship is over. Think about a person like that that's willing to stand for God in that way and chooses that over sexual intimacy and happiness. They honor and respect God that way. Boy, is God going to do something with that life. Holy Spirit, the other thing we're asking you for is to help us to protect and manage each level of intimacy that we have in our inner circle, in our circle. Help us to set boundaries to protect and honor those that we are closest to. And we want to honor those on the outside of the circle as well. Help us to have compassion, Jesus, for the human race. Because I want to free up time and energy for the human race as well. This isn't about just saying no to everybody so that I can say only yes to the, to the top three. No, I need to be able to say yes to church events and serving the church. I need to say yes to hanging out with my coworker once a month or twice a month just so I can bring them into the family of God. I need to prioritize my schedule so that I can say yes more to those on the outer circle in those levels, in levels five, six, seven, eight, and nine. But my family and God and my closest, most intimate friends get the bulk of my time and my energy and my money. And that's okay. Do, do, you, know what I'm, do you know what I'm hearing? This, this all comes back to community. Do you know, I think about the church of Acts. How were they able to meet every need? Do you know how? They all had boundaries. If we all minister to our circle of influence, everyone's needs will be met. The question is, do you even have a circle of influence? Who, who are your 12, your 3, and your 1? If everybody has a 12 and a 3 and a 1, then all needs will be met in this place. And you won't be just leaving it up to the pastor and angel to do. Do you, do you understand that? If we all do this well, every need will be met. In Jesus' name, amen. I love you guys. Have a great time celebrating your independence. But do it safely and Christ-like. Thank you for listening to this message from Dubois Light and Life Church. We hope you're blessed by it. To hear more messages or get more information about Light and Life Church, please visit DuboisFMC.org or check us out on Facebook.